Hi, my name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Monmouth Moms podcast, part of the Monmouth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Mammoth Moms podcast. Here today in Red Bank, New Jersey, with Erin Falco, registered dietitian. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you said it wasn't too far. You were uh, you, you realized that you could walk right right from no, your office. No, it was like putting it in ways. And I get in my car and then I'm like, Broad Street? I'm literally on Broad Street. I'm like, how far is this? I literally, I'm like, oh my God, I could have walked here. <laughs> so when we talked right down the street. about the, coming on the podcast, I guess that was like a few weeks ago or a month ago. And uh, you're like, where is it? I'm like, it's in Red Bank, like in that really beautiful building. I don't even know the home song. <laughs> I've been there like once. And you're like, okay, I don't know where it is. I'm like, I'll send you the address. It's I fine. thought you were talking about in Sickles for some reason. Oh, I had no, an idea. No. I was like, oh, I'm going to go shopping after that. Ah, just Sickles. I don't know why. I was thinking about the top of Sickles and I thought you were located there. But... Oh, yeah. No, but very convenient for you. <laughs> yeah, so. right down the street. Anyway, thank you for coming. Um, we are in the thick of January, getting into all the resolutions and wellness discussions and all great things happening um, in the community in in Monmouth County. Um, If you haven't already, check out our fitness and wellness guide. We have um, some great resources in there uh, for any wellness, you know, initiatives or goals that you have for the year. Um, And obviously fitness goes along with the theme for so many, um, you know, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'd love to hear if you have any resolutions. I have made a few. Um, I don't know if I ever really stick to resolutions. I feel like some years I have and some years I haven't, but I'd like to think of it more like as goals. And I think I've definitely always stuck to my business goals for Mm -hmm. like the new year. Like that's something that primarily like I've always accomplished, but like my personal ones, I feel like it goes either way. (laughs) Well, you're a mom. It's so hard. Yeah, it is. (laughs) You know, our kids always come first, I feel like. So that self-care piece sometimes just goes right out the window. Yeah. We were talking about this. Intentions. Yeah. Um, for the, for on the last podcast about, um, like some weeks it's just like, it's great. And you're like, you just have a rhythm. And then other weeks it's like, just complete, just mess. It it doesn't work. So anyway, um, so tell me, where are you from? So I grew up in Middletown. Okay. Actually, before that, I lived in Pennsylvania. I was back and forth. My dad was a horse trainer. My parents actually met at Mammoth racetrack. Wow. Um, and my mom came from the shore so we moved back here so mm-hmm. essentially I, I grew up here um, I moved here when I was eight so wow yep, right over uh, sunken city I call it where Badman Park area is okay. right over the Red Bank Bridge yep. right in there that's a beautiful area yeah and you went to south I went to actually even though I was closer to south um, the bus route was to north so okay. I went there I feel like it's the same like it's the same thing it's yeah, like they all, yeah oh yeah when I was growing up I um I grew up in Hazlitt Mm-hmm. And same thing. I moved here. I was seven. Um, so going into third grade and the um, and then in high school, I worked at Outback Steakhouse oh, like yeah. for most of like high school. I worked at like a restaurant before then, but like most of it. So my a lot of my friends went to all north and south. It was like all Middletown mm-hmm. kids. So I hung out with like a lot of a lot of kids from Middletown. So um, it's a great, great area to grow up. Right. Oh, yeah. So you um, to your mom. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have an eight-year-old. We have an eight-year-old, my husband and I. Yeah. And a boy or girl? A boy, Jackson. Aw, yeah. very cute. Thank you. Um, so you, you grew up... girl. Right? Yeah, yeah, eight-year-old girl <laughs> and... Um, and, then and my, a boy, yeah. Uh, yeah. And also my stepdaughter, who's 16. So. Okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, so you grew up in Middletown mm-hmm. and went to school. Um, did you move away at all, come back here? So no, um, in Middletown, I grew up there. I didn't... I went to Brookdale first, okay. actually. And then I went to Montclair University for my undergrad and then UMDNJ. I actually saw one of the speakers that you had last, I think, um, the dentist, right? She also went to UMDNJ. Okay. It's now Rutgers, by the way. Right. But... Um, yeah. Oh, that's my, right. Yeah. Yes. They made my, that change. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they made that change. Actually, I was, I graduated with the last class of UMDNJ. I see. So I, w- I went to school later, actually. I wasn't really ready for school yet. Um, so I started getting more serious about school when I, when I was like 25, actually. I had, um, a personal, I went to Brookdale first, but it wasn't really a good fit for yeah. me right at that time. And I had a really hard time um, focusing in school. So I took a break and I actually went to become a personal trainer. And my, <laughs> I was a personal trainer for like 10 years and I always worked for myself. Um, but I started that way. And then I decided to go back to school for nutrition. So, wow. That's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't, so, somewhat of a similar story. So I also went to Brookdale I actually went away to school. Um, I went to East Stroudsburg in Pennsylvania, came home. I actually ended up having my son. And I went to Brookdale for several mm-hmm. years, changed my major like, I think, three times. <laughs> yeah, um, sounds about right. And, <laughs> um, and then at one point, I actually was, I was going to Middlesex County for, okay. for the dietitian program there. Oh, yeah. I actually taught a few classes there. Oh, that's, that's so, so funny. funny. <laughs> and um, I just remember thinking I couldn't connect the dots. And at the time in my life, you know, like I was a single mom and I just, I couldn't understand how I was going to make a career out of it because mm-hmm. I knew like I looked up a lot of the research and like the, the dietitians and like what, you know, where they work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. Like it just, I wasn't being, I, it wasn't, the right path for me, but mm-hmm. I've always had a background in um, in hospitality. That was primarily my major in business, and I loved restaurants. Um, so I, you know, I, I still ended up selling wine, and I went in that 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 pathway for a long time. Um, but I've always. Like I, I love food. I think mm-hmm. anyone that listens to this podcast, they know by now. Love talking about restaurants. Talk, talk, talking about food. I could talk about it all day long. I've more recently <laughs> gotten into cooking, so I'm so interested oh, to talk awesome. to you today about like what you do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I think too, like at that age, you know, and they say a lot of the, uh, oftentimes with boys, this happens, right? That they don't really know, you know, they don't really even like mature until they're 25, and that they really don't even know, like you know, a lot of the times they they change things. But it happens with girls too. Like I was very I wouldn't say lost, but I just didn't know like what I, you know, I didn't have a specific major and like mm-hmm. know exactly what I wanted to do at that age. So yeah, it's just interesting that yeah. you know, it happens that way. I feel like more now, more and more, we're kind of all just trying to figure out we're going to school a little later. Right. Some people are doing a lot of different things before going to school. They're actually deciding to do more entrepreneurial things, yes. right? And jump into business before even, you know, considering college. Right. I, I think a lot of the kids now. But as a personal trainer, it sounds like you're always very, you know, disciplined and, you know, you have to be a self-starter in order to do that and can, you know, get, keep that client base up. Right. So something well, yeah, that you, yeah. I mean, personal training, I got into it, um, 
because I wanted to kind of help people understand their bodies and how they move and, and to move in a way that feels good. It wasn't for, you know, a lot of people come and think now like they go to see a personal trainer for weight loss or they come to see a dietitian for weight loss. And that's actually not what I do. And I, I'm so excited to talk about that today with you guys, right. um, to talk about what we actually do as dietitians right. versus just, you know, the misconception that like you're seeing a dietitian and you're just coming in for you know, basic nutritional counseling, and I'm just going to go and I'm going to be told what to eat. That's like not it at all. Okay. Um, so I'm really excited to to have the platform, honestly, yeah. to talk about what it really means in the work that we do, but also just how we can um, help other people and be more intuitive in their bodies. And right. so the reason why I went into personal training, though, besides the business aspect, was I always wanted to work for myself, mm -hmm. but I really loved the way that movement felt for my body. And it was actually a coping mechanism for me. So it kind of helps, you know, we all need something to help regulate our nervous system and exercise is a form of that. And right. so is eating. And some that's like another reason why I got into nutrition. So when I was younger, I um, had the we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So for me, it was um, when when I was going to other people's houses, I would eat as much as I could. And oh, it was, yeah, it was more of the... Like fear of not having. The fear of not having. I didn't recognize that at the time as a child. I had no idea. It was mm -hmm. more that I was feeling guilty for eating everything I possibly could. And then, you know, after that, feeling like wow, that, that really served me. It really felt amazing, like mm -hmm. in my body to, you know, blackout eat and, and just get that sensation of satisfaction. And I didn't understand what that was for me. Okay. But on the other end of it, I would always exercise as, you know, another way to kind of cope with emotions. And so both of those together, I really wanted to understand the why behind it. Mm -hmm. And like, why is this making me feel so great? But also, like, I don't want to feel guilty about, you know, using exercise for stress right. in a negative way, because mm -hmm. that's, you know, in our in our society, we actually praise that unfortunately we praise using exercise and restrictive eating actually mm -hmm. in our society and we really need to do a better job of helping people feel more um like that they're allowed to have coping mechanisms that actually serve us right. in a way that actually helps us to regulate our nervous system mm -hmm. so it does serve a, a purpose that's needed it helps us to relax it helps us to um you know, cope with things that are going on with our in our lives. And that's something that helped me. Okay. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I have, you know, uh, I haven't, I haven't really ever struggled so much with, um, with eating in general, but I've gone through phases in my life where, you know, I'd, I'd like to lose five pounds or 10 pounds. I think at one point I've always been, you know, naturally pretty thin growing mm -hmm. up. Um, and then in my twenties, I, we were spending a lot of time going out with like my girlfriends. We'd have nachos and stuff like that. And I had this like 10 to 15 pound like weight gain. Then I was like, I don't even know what you do with this, right? <laughs> I was not like the most athletic kid. I played field hockey and basketball when I was growing up. But like yeah. I was naturally like I was always moving around. Mm -hmm. And I think I probably just had a higher metabolism. I was tall. So like, sure. you know, it didn't wasn't even a factor. And yeah. like the and the way I ate was probably like so ridiculous so you kind of like come into this you know new like the change in your life right where they're like I don't know like how to get rid of this weight and I don't want to stop eating the way that I do you know um but you know I worked it out like over the years and I think so much of it is is mental 
like how you eat, like mm-hmm. what, you know, what you're eating and like this, like constant, like yeah. what you can eat, what you can't eat, what's bad, what's good, like all of that. And it's, you end up overeating because it's like you're rest- like that restrictive, you know, mm-hmm. mindset, right. Rather than just like eating, like when you're hungry and eating like, you know, for nutrition and stuff like that. So that's what, you know, just, it, yeah. I think it's really fascinating because so many people probably struggle more with mentally what they're eating versus it's all, yeah, it's all psychological. I right. mean, we, one of the primary reasons why people are coming in is for feeding difficulties. Okay. You know, they're having sensory difficulties around eating. They're having fear around eating because they had a previous um, experience with food, whether they choked on it or they saw someone else vomit and that freaked them out and they don't want to eat it certain foods because of that. Oh, interesting. There's sensory disturbances in terms of taste, texture, mouthfeel that kids really have a hard time articulating and parents are just like, well, my kid's not eating and they're getting upset and frustrated because they're making this beautiful meal and their kids are not eating, but Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it. You know, there's gastrointestinal disturbances that we might not realize that are affecting the nervous system that affect the way that we eat, right? If we're constipated, you know, there's signals in our, in our gut that tell us, you know, tell our brain to eat, not eat, um, you know, if we even just think about serotonin alone, 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut Mm -hmm. and serotonin makes melatonin. Melatonin helps us to sleep. Right. Right. So there's a lot of uh, things that we are learning now that we need to think about. And it's, it's not just about, am I eating this? Am I not eating that? It's so much more complex. It's actually more about what your body's doing Mm -hmm. with the nutrition and the nutrients that are coming in rather than, this is good and this is bad. And we really need to do a better job of getting away from that and deeming these foods as healthy or not because it really has to do with the individual and what's best for them. How do you feel? How do you sleep? How do you you digest? Are you eating socially? You know, all of those things. Do we enjoy what we're eating? Mm -hmm. Food is like you know, a huge part. It's everything. Right. We have to eat. Right. Yeah. And it's just so much more complex. Yeah. I'd love to ask you too about, uh, you hear a lot of, um, this term, right. That's kind of thrown around a lot about gut health and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, a lot of it, I feel like maybe part of it is a buzzword part of so many products now that are, you know, better for your gut and stuff like that. But anyway, um, to, uh, to get back a little bit to, to how, you know, you, you, you've got to where you are now. So you grew up in Middletown yeah, we and, yeah, that's okay. Um, and we, and now you're living where? So I live in Ocean okay. with my husband, Gary and Jackson. Aww. We're in Guanamasa. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so not too far. Shore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, did, have you lived there for a while? So we, we had our 10 year anniversary last year. Um, and so we've been living in the house. We moved in, um, together when we got right before we got married, when we got engaged. Okay. So, uh, 10 years we've been living there. Okay. Yeah. And then how did you make the progression from, um, from the, uh, what you were doing and into what you're doing now? Um, the progression of, uh, you were a registered dietitian and then you started your own business. Yeah. So I actually, when I got out of my internship, so in, in the hospital, um, that's where a lot of our internship is as a registered dietitian, we do all the rotations, the ICU, the med surge, all of that, those things. Right. And in school, I was like, I knew, I remember this one patient that I had to see, um, I was recommending a tube feed recommendation for this patient in the hospital. And I spoke to the the doctor, he needed to do a resection for um, this patient. He had to do a surgery. And so long story short, I was like, well, 
why are we, what happened here? Like, why, do, why are we getting to the point where we have to do a resection? Like, mm -hmm. what actually happened? And he's like, well, you know, the intestines is, there's no more blood flow. It, um, it's diseased at this point. We have to, we have to do the surgery. I'm like, but what happens before that? Right? Like, what happened before that? Like, how did we get there? Right. Well, there was a, an infection or a virus. Well, what happened before that? How did we not know about this infection or virus that, that came um, to now have this person have a whole resection for their colon? So I always wanted to know what is the root contributing factor yeah. that is happening with you know, getting to the point where we actually have to acutely take care of something. Sure. So when I was in the hospital, I knew right away, I am I want to work in private practice. I even knew that beforehand. But one of the one of my um, clients who is a physician, Dr. Bazarbashi in uh, Middletown, Middletown Medical Art Center, he was one of my clients who said, I will have I would like you to work for me mm -hmm. right when you get out of school. So instead of like going right into the hospital where a lot of dietitians um, go, I went right into his practice and I actually had to learn how to get paid. So one of the things that, you know, he didn't know how to get paid for my services, but um, or my services as a dietitian right. and bill for insurance. So I actually had to learn how to figure out how to get paid. That's so one of the things that I feel really proud of is that I learned all the ins and outs of how a dietitian gets paid through insurance. And then I became the reimbursement rep for all of New Jersey to help New Jersey to help dietitians advocate for our services so that our services could be paid for through insurance. So that insurance. was a service you were offering other dietitians as well? So I actually did this for free. Oh. <laughs> I volunteered to do this for our board of New Jersey Dietetic wow. Association. And it was a really um, important thing, but I wanted to learn about it for myself mm -hmm. and for my patients to get care that they need and deserve, sure. right? For preventative care. But I also wanted to be able to teach RDs, registered dietitians, and other practitioners, how to help, you know, have a dietitian in their practice. Yeah, it's a service physician. they're offering, they're exactly. billing for, and then how to, you're probably, you know, maybe they thought you would give you a salary, but there was probably more to it than that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I, I did that. And then I, I, it wasn't the best fit in terms of like what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do more root care, root cause mm -hmm. functional medicine. So I actually opened up a private practice in Red Bank. Okay. And then, uh, right. I, it, I literally sent all of my notes. I, I started, I will never forget this. I started with two patients mm -hmm. for the very first month I was there. And with those two patients, I sent every single chart note to the physicians that those patients were seeing. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got my name out there. And because these physicians saw that these patients were doing really well, that's how the referrals yeah. started coming in. Right. Two, three months later, I had I was working 12-hour days. <laughs> I saw so many patients that I was like, okay, I'm very busy. This is great. I need help. Wow. So I actually, um, that's when I started to hire other dietitians, independent contractors in the beginning, mm -hmm. but that's kind of how I got my but you could business starting. That, right? Exactly. That's how I started. I know that was like a long. And how long ago was that? So that was mm, eight years ago. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, eight years ago. So eight years ago to to now, um, which you know is not a long time, but it is a long time, right? And and um, depending on how you look at it, would you say that medical professionals are starting to take um, the nutritional like assessment of a patient more seriously than they were back then? No, like, is there no still no. no? Because my mom's a nurse <laughs> and my um, my aunt is a doctor, and like this has come up you know a lot, and just the you know like holistic progression of like how wellness right is another kind of like buzzword that people you know a lot of people work in wellness right, but they're you know and they have a certain thing that they do, but so much of it is I think was how you treat your body and how you eat and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's never like, it's never even brought up in any like medical setting that I've ever been in. You know what I mean? Well, I have to so. say, I, I don't know why I said no right off the bat. I think that was my like fight <laughs> no. or flight response coming up because <laughs> right. I do argue with doctors all day um, right. <laughs> to advocate for my patients. Sure. That's the most important. But um, no, I really, I make it my duty to speak with physicians and Mm -hmm. educate physicians on what to look at. So now I am the go-to. Like, that's where all my referrals come from is neurologists. And I'll talk about that a little bit later Why I'm going into more mental health aspect of nutrition. Okay. Um, But, yeah, we... We are the, we are um, a great. Like, there are a lot of referral sources, but we are they are starting to get better. More on the functional medicine side of things, but we have to also give our physicians compassion because they're seeing so many patients all and, day. And I so many. Symptoms, I literally right? was talking to a physician physician the other day, and I called them, and I'm like a, rheumat- a rheumatologist in the area that I work closely with, and I call him, and he's out of breath, and I'm like what's going on? And he's like, Aaron, I saw 60 patients today. And I'm like, 60? How is that even possible? Wow. Like we, it it really has a lot to do with insurance and like the pressure. We're dictated on how we practice, unfortunately, because of insurance companies. And we really need to change that because Mm. patients deserve a lot more time. They're not being heard. And that's a huge that it's a huge issue. That's why all the patients that we have coming in mm-hmm. have seen 10, 12 other providers before they're actually getting help with what they need okay. because they're getting dismissed or the, the doctors don't have time. Okay. So From the insurance me. model perspective. Gotcha. Now, functional medicine, then that's different if they know where to go to and they feel comfortable going outside of insurance and they have more knowledge of who to see, then it's a different story if they're willing to pay out of pocket. I see. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a different, um, it's just a different clientele, right? That not everyone is, you know, has the capacity to pay out of pocket. Exactly. Um, uh, so your practice now, tell me about the services that you offer, the, um, you know, age groups that, that you, that you work with. Mm -hmm. Um, is it primarily adults? Is it kids? Is it a mix? Yeah. So I started, so now two other dietitians, Mm -hmm. right. And then I also have, um, a nutritionist that, did ran one of the cooking classes that we oh, did right. for kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we all do kind of see different clientele, but we're treating people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not treating diseases, right? Okay. So people might be coming in for, I don't know, ADHD, but we're looking at the whole person, okay. right? So we're taking in consideration what's been going on since birth, actually, actually mm-hmm. since mom. Like we look at, you know, what happened in utero happened with mom's health, right? What's your genetics? We look at, um, were they, were they coming into the world breastfed or nursed, Mm -hmm. right? That impacts their gut and their immune system right off the bat. But, um, the population, I know I'm kind of getting off track, but we see 
I see a lot of pediatrics, mostly pediatrics. I'm trying to move my, my, pra- my the part of my practice to only see pediatrics oh, interesting. with feeding difficulties. Okay. Um, I do see a lot of eating disorders in different ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, kids who have sensory disturbances around food, selective eating, um, eating disorders in the way of anorexia, bulimia. Um, I'm not seeing as much of those because I'm trying to focus on more of the nutritional psychiatry mm-hmm. um, using alternative approaches to medications. Uh, I'm actually doing a fellowship in nutritional psychiatry. Wow. Um, so... I really love working with that population and and finding alternative solutions. But and is it specifically um, geared towards kids that are diagnosed with ADHD or all kinds of different things? I say ADHD because that's a, a really it's big common. passion of mine, and yeah. I also speak with a lot of physicians on that topic. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I you'll you probably see on my website. I I've talked I've done a few um, talks with some physicians on that, but it is an uh, area of mine. I like to focus on and neurodevelopmental disorders, especially autism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, because I've been seeing patients for such a long time, some of the ones that I've been seeing for a while now that are still being seen, I see a lot of gastrointestinal disorders, eating disorders. My other dietitians do more cardiovascular disease. Kelly, um, one of my RDs does a lot of hormones, um, and PCOS. I mean, we do Uh, see a lot of, um, different we honestly we see so many different types of clientele coming in so um is it impacted too for women that are perimenopausal and and menopausal as well there are things that you can eat that yeah that's so interesting yeah to learn more about that i mean we do a lot of testing and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what also makes us different Mm -hmm. right so we're looking at root contributing factors Uh so we do a lot of genetics we do urine tests to look at neurotransmitters how the our energy of our cells is working Mm -hmm. how our body's actually using protein carbs and fats for fuel um, so it's re- very individualized. Um, so yeah. we have, you know, we're talking about a lot of different, um, diagnoses and, and people that mm-hmm. have all kinds of different ailments and, and are, you know, suffering from different things, but from a, you know, just a larger perspective, what would you say, you know, they say like to shop the perimeter of a grocery store and to eat like whole foods. Is that like, generally speaking, what you advise most people to do? Um, yeah. And like, what are the, like the biggest contributing factors to, you know, just feeling better and, and looking better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, making like, I guess, little steps to, yeah. to bigger rewards, if that makes sense. I always like to start with the foundation. Okay. So most of our patients that are coming in are either just not eating enough throughout the day because mm-hmm. they're distracted, they're busy. Um, we're not, or if if it's the kiddos, it's just, you know, the selective eating and those kinds of things that impact the foundation. Mm-hmm. And when I say the foundation, I mean, we've got to get our meal timing on track here so that our body feels fed. Okay. And that is the start of things, right? So having a complete meal of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats Mm -hmm. and all of our meals and snacks can help us feel really satisfied and it helps our body to feel fed. So it helps our blood sugar stay stable, right? Mm -hmm. So that we don't have as many swings through the day, Right. right? Which impact our mood and then also our energy. Right. But it really does start with, yes, having that combination of foods, but it does start with the the beginning of the day and breakfast. Right. Everybody needs breakfast. Yeah. They say that like the old phrase, like eat like a king for breakfast, a queen for lunch and like a pauper for dinner or something like that. It's essentially. Well, everybody's body's different. Okay. You know, and I really we really have to remember that, like there's so much out there on Mm -hmm. social media. 
and people are confused, you know, and it's yeah. we, like our job is to educate you on how to be more intuitive with your body and your needs, right? right? Everyone's so different. Yeah. And then also helping to, to coach parents on how to, first of all, give compassion to themselves for being so <laughs> busy and running sure. you know, crazy lives, but just making it a little bit easier and realistic for them okay. to kind of help their kids eat. You know, it, it makes sense to me when someone kids are coming home and they're mm -hmm. starving and they're standing up and they're eating in the cabinet and they're and parents are like, wait, or wait, why are we doing that? Like we're, you know, eating all these chips. And then they're, they're like, don't eat, do that. But at the same time, like if we don't have balanced meals throughout mm -hmm. the day, our body is going to ask us for anything that's not nailed down. Right. And that's a physiological response to get food in. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, you know, we, we have a lot of shame and like guilt and there's a lot of like blame mm -hmm. in that area. And we really need to do a better job of taking that away because at the end of the day, your body is always going to win. It's going to get what it needs. Yeah. And that's where we talk about those cravings for foods, right? Right. Like some days you might be like, I really want something citrusy. Like, that's your body We're saying, girlfriend, you, yeah, give me some vitamin, vitamin C, yeah, right, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So what are, I'm sure you see this a lot, you know, um, we learn things, you know, from our own childhoods of how to eat, right. And mm -hmm. like what to eat and stuff like that. And, you know, some of it's in green from what our parents told us to do. So what are some things like, you know, always finish your meal or, um, when I was growing up, we had like milk with every dinner, which I actually don't do with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you know, for a multitude of different reasons, but, um, like, what are the biggest things that you see that parents come in and say, well, you know, my parents said, if you didn't eat this, you know, like, that's how it is. And that's how I do it in my house and stuff like that. And I'm, it's probably a big contributing factor to like why we eat the way that we do, or we don't eat the way that we do. Right. It's definitely one piece for sure. So do you um, have any advice or like, do you see, what are some yeah. things that like people say, like, you know, that you're like, we really shouldn't be behaving that way. There are a lot of things. Like we really want to model the behavior of, um, listening to our, our body and mm -hmm. being intuitive, what that means. So right. when we talk about cleaning the plate, right, then we really lose touch with what the fullness cues are, mm -hmm. right? Your child might be really full before they finish the plate and you're just saying to them, well, eat anyway. So it's really hard for them to actually, as they're growing, understand what those fullness cues are mm -hmm. in the same way that if a child is wanting more food, and their parents are saying no. Right. They might, they're hungry, right? right. That I, I notice that that happens a lot after dinner where parents struggle with like, well, my child's still asking for more food and I don't want to give it to them because they're too, you know, it's too late. Well, guess what? My kid, every single time, I know it's a stalling process for him. <laughs> He's like, I want, you know, whatever. I want a nice pop after dinner. Um, and we give it to him, right? Mm -hmm. We want to allow him to eat freely and eat things that he enjoys. But right before bedtime, like it's a stalling process for him. He mm -hmm. wants to stay up a little later. So we give foods that are not thrilling, but filling. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, you have the expectation beforehand, Okay, well, here's some of the options: apple with peanut butter or whatever Banana it is that you got, works for your family, mm -hmm. you know, so that they know and they have that expectation that this is what I'm allowed to have. Mm. And you know, we we want to really avoid the whole food scarcity thing mm -hmm. because that's another um, topic that comes up a lot. You know, I see a lot of my kiddos hiding foods. Mm -hmm. Actually, my son did that um, when he. Uh, this is like going backwards, but when I 
what I had celi- I have celiac disease. So okay. um, when my son was diagnosed with pans and pandas, totally another oh, wow. whole topic that we can get into or not if we have time. But yeah. um, did it take a long time to diagnose him? I always hear that thank- it's like a nightmare. Uh, from so what I've read anyway. It's, it was really yeah. scary. Yeah. And it's like par- part of why I am in this. I switched kind of to more nutritional psychiatry is because right. I'm looking at infections and viruses as contributing factors mm-hmm. to anxiety, ADHD, and all those other kinds of things. Right. Um, so, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> but going back to yeah. um, when I was doing all this testing right. for him, I found out that I had celiac disease with uh-huh. no GI symptoms. I had all neurological Interesting. Uh, anxiety, depression, and and I was falling asleep all the time during ah. the day after eating. But I never in my whole entire life, and I was diagnosed three years ago, four years ago with celiac with celiac disease, right. didn't have any of those symptoms. So okay. it's, it's possible. But the reason why I'm saying that is because he has the genes for celiac. Mm-hmm. And when he was diagnosed with pans pandas, specifically Lyme's disease okay. um, and streptococcal infections, chronic infections, he is... Um, he has immunodeficiency, so he's always going to be susceptible to catching whatever anybody has. So we have to strengthen his immune system. But one of those things was because he has the genes for celiac, I had to take the gluten out. And so that was a really hard transition. And as a child, not knowing why, I mean, he's he was five years old at the time. It's just yeah. like, okay, we're making all these changes. And that's a lot for a kid. And going to kids' birthday parties. Oh, my gosh. All of it. Yeah. Oh, and that's hard for oh, me. I, I got to buy a whole pizza. I got to yes. bake a whole cake or a cupcake. Right. But um, long story short, when going back to the food hiding thing, mm-hmm. right, I noticed like, so we were saying that he could have these kind bars, you know, those were mm-hmm. appropriate for what his diet was. Um, and one day I came home and I was laughing because I saw these wrappers um, under the couch and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I really need to talk to him because I don't want him to ever feel that he can't have something. Right. And that's, that is the reason why kids hide food is because they feel that they're being judged for it. They're not allowed to have it for whatever the reason mm-hmm. is, right? And when we talk about food scarcity, it's not just not having enough food, right? Mm-hmm. It's also about not feeling that they're allowed to have yeah. something. And guess what? They're going to have it. Right. At some point, right? But there's a fine line too, because you know, kids will, you know, they'll have ice cream for lunch if you know, like that's what that you know what I mean. Well, that's where so, the foundation comes back right. in again, right? So if they're eating balanced meals and snacks, mm-hmm. right, and you allow dessert, then they're not going to be as uh, they're not going to they're going to listen to their bodies. Mm-hmm. You'll notice that kids are that are competent eaters. Mm-hmm. When I say competent, I mean they're listening through their fullness cues and they feel their relationship with food is um, pretty good that they will – you'll notice that they don't have to eat the whole cookie. Okay. They'll leave things on the plate, right? Um, Kids that eat really, really fast or they're – especially at other – like birthday parties and those kinds of things, those Mm -hmm. are kids that might not be getting those things at home Mm -hmm. because their parents are restricting it. Gotcha. And so we want to really avoid that. And keeping all foods fit as a model and a modeling relationship for yourself in the fa- for your family mm-hmm. is really important because it's not just what you're hearing, mm-hmm. they're hearing you say. It's not just what they're 
hearing us say it's all about what we're modeling. Mm. So if mommy or daddy aren't eating dessert or if mommy and daddy aren't eating with me at dinner, like what are we um, demonstrating? Right. So it's it's also about the conversation yeah. and what we're modeling. Right. So tell me about picky eaters with like, with little kids. I have two picky eaters. My son was the pickiest. Um, I do feel like he probably had some sensory issues going on at the time. At least, you know, I wasn't aware of the resources available. I don't think there were as many resources, you know, when he was three years old. This mm-hmm. is, you know, 15 years ago that there are now. Um, my daughter has similar, but she's a better eater. Like she's more willing to try things, but not not very willing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think a ton of parents struggle with this. And, yes. you know, what part of it is an underlying issue, do you think? And what part of it is just kids being naturally, you know, not maybe as open to trying things. You know, we have, I have a niece who literally will like eat anything that mm-hmm. she's given. She's an adventurous eater, but not most, I'd say a lot of kids aren't, right? Yeah, honestly, kids don't want to not be able to eat certain foods, right? And so usually there is a lot of underlying reasons for that, especially neurological, mitochondrial, like energy of our cells, not being able to use certain foods for the the brain to get the sensory um, part of the experience of food. So an example could be where some kids need more sensory input meaning that they need to have more taste. So they like, they prefer foods that are like spicier, saltier, or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Where there are kids that are more sensory avoiders and they prefer different types of textures and like they don't want to have something that's um, hard to chew and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. But um, there are a lot of underlying issues usually that have to do with the feeding part of it in terms of selectively eating or not. It's not a, it's, sometimes it can be about a power. Yes, it can be about a power struggle because they're feeling pressure and anxiety to actually be forced to eat something. A lot of the kids that come in will tell me like separately. I like have a time where I speak with the kids separately than the the parents and they'll say that they um, are really stressed or anxious about the pressure that's coming from mom. And the only reason why they want to eat or try to have more variety is to please their parents and it's like it breaks my heart because it's like yes you know they're feeling so much stress around it Mm -hmm. and you got to remember like if they're stressed it's the last thing that they're going to want to do the other part that we forget about is that one thing that is really important i think moms uh, i think this is a really good thing to know is that if you're the the chair that they're sitting in isn't age appropriate. It's hard for a kid to sit still, never mind chew. Mm-hmm. So like if we're sitting at like a bar stool, right? Think about our feet dangling. It's really hard to like, you know, it's we're like moving around a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. kids really need to like have that core strength to be able to sit and chew. And so there's a lot of like oral motor things that can come into that and core strength that we don't, we forget about too. Wow. So there's so much that goes into it, but from like an application standpoint, Mm -hmm. from a a basic, like for for parents' perspective of how to like try to increase variety, Mm -hmm. um, let your kids smell the food, touch it, you know, lick it. Those are all ways to let, to gradually increase some variety into your, your kit, your, so they don't, there's less pressure, like, and they don't want to feel like they're wasting. A lot of parents will say, well, you're wasting it. There's, there's kids in China that, you know, and we really want to avoid that, that 
conversation so they're not feeling guilty about not being able to like do it because honestly a lot of times it's not that they they don't want to do it just they really can't right 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 we might taste a strawberry and it tastes sweet it might taste like dirt for them so really assessing that is what we do as dietitians and and helping you under like figure that out do parents feel like they their kids are at a certain age so it's kind of like they've gone x amount of years and their kids have been picky so it's kind of hopeless and that's just going to how it's going to be like, do you see kids do you help children that maybe have been going through this for a long time yes. and then finally you know like yes. are able to turn the corner i think maybe some parents you know from my perspective i feel like well he'll just grow out of it or something like that or else like one mm-hmm. day like something will you know click and he'll start or she will start, you know, eating more mm-hmm. um, things. <laughs> I love things. that you asked that because I have a lot of older kids okay. that it's not just about getting the food in. It's the underlying issues, the mitochondrial specifically. And we do a lot of mitochondria testing to understand what the neurotransmitters are doing. Right. Right. The sensory part and how we're getting the signal of what's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. But once we actually work on that, we use might. um Micronutrients, as an example, micronutrients are those vitamins and minerals that we get from our fruits and vegetables that we just don't get enough of, right? right? For whatever reason. Even in vitamins. Like if you're taking a multivitamin. Not a regular multivitamin. You need something that's going to actually work on the energy of the cells, which is like, it's very, it's a little complex, but like amino acids that come from our proteins, those make our neurotransmitters. Medications don't make our neurotransmitters. Got it. Nutrients do. Cofactors, they're like magnesium and B6 and um, B12 and folate. These are all things that are deficient. Mm -hmm. Zinc, iron, these are things that are needed for the nervous system to relax, to have energy, to actually eat, to get the sensory um, experience in their mouth. These are all factors that can actually be fixed. Even genetic SNPs can be fixed if we give more mitochondrial support. And so what, what, what I'm saying is, is that if we actually use that in conjunction with food, a lot of kids can get out of this selective eating because their neuro, their neurotransmitters are working better. Mm. And so it's not just as simple as let's just add more food in. They need more support from the from that side of things too, from the nervous system standpoint, from the genetic standpoint. I see. Wow. So there's so much, so much to it that, so much. Yeah, that we, you know, we, um, as parents don't really, really, you know, think of, do you work with a lot of pediatricians in the area as well? I try to, okay. I mean, they're, they're, a lot of them are warming up to what I'm asking for because, so I take insurance, uh-huh. right. And if people don't know this, but registered dietitians, we we are allowed to write scripts, mm-hmm. but we can't we don't have contracts with labs because we can interpret labs right from a nutrition related perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what we learn in school. Right. But we're not allowed. We're, there's nothing to prescribe. Right. So there's no insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. Oh. Like we all know about that, right? (laughs) Um, So they're like, if we're looking at a deficiency in blood work, right? Give example as B vitamins, right? And also, by the way, you can't, it's really difficult to see vitamin B deficiencies in blood work because they're stored in your spinal fluid. So when we're actually looking at blood work, it's not always the accurate. (laughs) Nobody's going to do that, right? (laughs) Although I do have a patient that has done that, um, which had encephalitis, which thank God, but... um, 
but we're not really going to, we're never going to do that. So when we look at labs, we're looking at them very differently. Okay. We're looking at them from where is, what's the most, um, we want to have the most, we're, we're looking at them differently. So we're assessing them differently. But the point is, is that if somebody needs a B vitamin, that's $6. The, the insurance companies and the labs are not going to get any money from that. So as an RD, right, we can't write, we can write scripts, but the patients are going to have to pay the labs, mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes we don't have the funds to do that or, mm -hmm. or we don't want to. So we try to work with the physician to help us write those scripts. Um, and a lot of times we get some pushback because mm -hmm. I understand it, because if they write it, they have to know how to treat it, right? So it's not it's not me on the line. And you're line. not an employee of theirs. Exactly. So you're not working with them, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so it's it's their responsibility. So I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. But I do have a lot of physicians that will work with me. And and I actually do refer a lot to um, specialists that... I work with a lot of physicians that speak nationally. Mm -hmm. um, so I refer to them often. And they're like telehealth. And I, I just feel a lot more confident um, in the ability to be able to work with them because mm -hmm. we're kind of on the same page right. versus like having to convince a pediatrician to write something so that I can do my job. So it's hard, but you mentioned vitamins, six dollar vitamins earlier. Are there, and I know mm -hmm. that vitamins, you know, they're, I guess they're specifically regulated in a certain way or they're not regulated at all. I really don't know. There's filler, you know, vitamins that are better. They mm -hmm. have filler in them. Yeah. Are there like, where is the best place to get vitamins? Like, where do you advise your patients to get them? And like, what companies, what, you know, yeah. that always like is perplexes me. Well, we use pharmaceutical grade. Okay. So we are providers that can, in our practice, mm -hmm. we only recommend supplements that are all, they're not over the they're not right over the counter. The ones that are over the counter, they're not as good quality because they have a lot of additives in it. Right. And things that like, you know, you don't think about like different types of oils and um, you know, like dyes and those kinds of things that we don't want to have. We just want right. to But it's not even just that. It's about how we're using the vitamin. So like you could take a vitamin D, right? You could say, it could say 5,000 IUs, but are we actually absorbing it? It has to do a lot with the outside of the capsule. Mm. I always recommend liquid when possible because that's better uh, digested, mm -hmm. especially if somebody is having issues with mm -hmm. that. Um, but, and I also recommend opening up the capsule and then mixing it. If it's for a kid, you can mix it with juice or something or mm -hmm. aloe or coconut water or something and then use it in a syringe if oh. you want. Um, I sometimes put them in on smoothies for kids, ice pops, like all sorts of different creative ways to get it in. So you want to look for pharmaceutical grade then? Pharmaceutical grade, you're going to... So full script is something that we use often and okay. patients can actually use their health savings accounts for it, which is really nice, oh. like from their insurance. Uh -huh. So we do write like scripts for that. Mm -hmm. Um so that's one place to get. But yes, um, pharmaceutical grade uh, supplements is is the way to go okay. to, to avoid the fillers and yeah. things. There's just so there's so we could talk for hours and hours about, you know, about food and, and just what's out there and what's available to you and what's pushed to you. Right. Um, because there's a lot of noise and there's so mm -hmm. much 
um, confusion, right? And there's what's good for you, what's bad for you, and the the diets and the not diet. I'm not. I'm big. I'm a big proponent of not dieting. Um, but you know, for just your overall well being, I think you know we're always trying to improve ourselves. It's a new year, and we're really you know we're focused on wellness now. We should always obviously be focused on wellness, but um, you know, feeling good mentally is, mm-hmm. is so important. And you know, that's not something that was ever. I never you know we didn't know about that growing up. It was just eat you know eat right. And, mm-hmm. you know, mostly for nutrition, but I didn't really ever think about why. So um, just really interesting. So when you are with your family on the weekends, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're incredibly passionate about what you do. And I'm sure that, you know, you're probably working very long hours still. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you like to go with that, with your yes, family and mom? we love the beach. Yeah. We're, if we're not home, we're at the beach. Oh, so wow. So you go to Deal Casino oh, okay. um, in the summer. Uh-huh. But... Um, that we just were always at the beach. We literally ha- like have a five minute bike ride. Oh, so that's so really nice. nice. Yeah. Um, we do that often. And then anytime that we can be outside, we go to Mountain Creek a lot. Okay. So we like to hike. Um, there's a, it's called Stairway to Heaven hike. I love it. It's one mile. And my son has been doing it since he was five. Um, and in the beginning, it was really difficult for him. But now he's excited because he can do the whole thing and he's not exhausted. So it's, it's so one mile, but it's, I'm assuming, is it pretty it's steep? It's all the it's way pretty... up. Oh, yes. But it's so beautiful when you get to the top. It's so worth it. And I recommend uh, any, you know, families to do it. Mm-hmm. There's, It's so fun watching all the dogs and it's near Mountain all the Creek? little kids. Yeah, it's okay. in Mountain Creek. Got yep. it. Yep, right by Mountain Creek. Do you it's an awesome um, have any hiking spots that you like around here? Um, I don't. Re- I have to say, I wish I I've done more than more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hartshorn, I used to when oh, I was yeah. growing mm-hmm. up. I just don't know the trails that right, but that well. So okay. probably wouldn't do it as much now. But right. those are our spots. So we love going to Mountain Creek just to like reset. And when you get there, you're just like oh, oh I, I've only you know experienced I mean? that one time. I think I talked about this on one of the podcasts. Yeah. And it was um, my aunt. She's a, a pretty avid hiker and hikes up in Albany. And it was like all the spots. And we went with my son. This is like hysterical. He was, I think he was nine at the time. I hadn't met my current husband now. And um, we, she's like, you want to go on a hike? I'm like, okay. So. She's like, it'll probably be, it's going to be a while though. We'll probably be there for a few hours. And I'm like, okay, not think like, I don't know. We had sneakers on, like we're just going, it's like uphill, you know, <laughs> it's like my son's like, what? He, he said, he said to me, I'll never forget it. He goes, do you think, well, the future us will survive this? Oh my gosh, that is so cute. I love that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. This is intense. Um, but when we did get to the top, it was breathtaking. We had pictures. It was actually like a day, I have to say, that was like, you know, sometimes when you do things and it just changes like how you think and you mm-hmm. always think back to that moment. And it was definitely one of those things. So I've been kind of more of like a, you know, baby hiker where like I, we just do more like trails around mm-hmm. Monmouth County and stuff. But it really is so important to like get out in nature. I've always been a big proponent of the Monmouth County Park System and any parks and just getting out with your kids. And even in the winter, like just go and go outside and, you know, go to the different trails and go for walks. I love Manasquan Reservoir because that's like that five mile loop. Mm-hmm. I'm a runner, so I like to run. Oh, but, yeah, I heard you say that. Um, but, um, but my kids, you know, they'll like walk. My daughter's more like inclined to she's like she likes adventure she'll go with me like pretty much anywhere that's um, awesome if i run like she'll go to the park near our house and like i run like basically in a loop like around her and she goes on the playground and stuff but maybe she'll run with me one day <laughs> um but it's so important to you know to get out so i like that you know you like to do that uh where do you like to go out to eat around here so i okay so we are gluten-free right okay. um so i actually i was thinking about this before and i was like i we like to 
venture out to different types of like Thai and Korean stuff. But I really love this International Bites in Ocean. Mm -hmm. It's like a spot that has five different types of food. So it's like Mexican and Thai. Oh oh my gosh, I love it. The coconut curry there is just amazing. Wow. Um, But it's like five different restaurants and it's all in one spot. So it's really nice. And then that's like one of my R to go's like throughout the week it's like we're reliable it's we're like easy. okay let's like, get tacos something let's up for, yes, yes love it um ada's is a dominican ethiopian place that okay. i absolutely love that's in asbury it's right on memorial okay um one of my favorite places and rayla have you ever been to yeah. rayla in asbury yeah, yeah. Rayla's great and costera um oh yeah this the co um what is it costera barrio or I'm sorry, Cas- <laughs> yeah, Vario yeah, Castera. Okay. Um, I love those places because um, they're also gluten free and dairy free. It's easier for us to make, um, op- you know, have options and there. It's, and it's like, you know, very nutrient dense. I think they use a lot of like vegetables and yeah. it tastes great, right? Just so the just, seasonings. Yeah. I love yes, all the exactly. flavor in right. food. That's like, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, like packs and, of punch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and cave. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because cave. it's in Avon. It's okay. amazing. It's, it's, um, a, a local surfer actually owns the restaurant, but he is, they do meal plan, like meal planning too, oh, like you I can take that. out. So, but they have the best bone broth soup. I love it Ooh. when I'm like, and that's so good under for the you. weather. Yeah. Yes. And um, really great short rib tacos and just like everything they, they make is just so good. Delish. So one of my favorite places. I don't know if you've heard of it and now I'm going to forget what it's called. I just started following them on Instagram yesterday. It's a Thai place in Bradley beach. <laughs> I should probably what just bring it, it up because I don't want to not bring it up after talking about it. Um, Wait, is it on? Um, it is in Bradley Beach. I'll tell you right now. I just started following them. And now I'm not going to be able to. Wait, where did I start following <laughs> them? But um, I was looking at the Instagram and I can't wait to go. I love Thai, but my family does not. So I only have Thai like when I'm able to. Wait, what do you get, get there? From there? What's your fave? Um, I'm like a like a very like I don't get it a lot. So I'll just get like pad Thai mm-hmm. or just like yeah. whatever looks good, spring rolls, stuff Same. like that. <laughs> but um, but like I like Thai and I don't get and now I can't find it. Oh, my gosh. I'll bring it up next time. I'll put it in the post when I find the Teak place. Teak does have a really good pad Thai. I don't know I if it's still Teak. on the menu, yes. but I love like the i don't know the flavor of the lime and the crunchy peanuts they just do a really good job they do the they sauce, do a good they job with everything in there yeah and it's been open forever so it's like reliable and good it's like bistro and red bank i like I know. bistro you know Bistro's what you're getting every forever. time <laughs> they also have the best lo mein i don't know if you like lo mein oh, okay. oh is that good? that's not no unless oh, no, it's not... rice noodles sometimes okay. we'll make it with rice noodles but... okay yeah, that's really but No, good I too. like sushi too. <laughs> Go on and on and on. Now it's going to bother me. Let me find this place. <laughs> um, so, you, so you're so you in that Wanamasa area. So that's I have to yeah. check that place out, the international food. That looks oh, really the good. The Ethiopian Dom- Dominican place. It's okay. really good. So they have, I don't know if you, what was that? Along came Polly. Did you ever see that movie? I did. Where they're eating with their hands and they got this big wrap thing, right? And it's called Bamboo the- Leaf Thai. Oh, yes. I've been there. Okay. In Bradley beach i haven't been in a while but that is a good one yeah i want to try that out so maybe we'll go (laughs) yeah i'd love to (laughs) um so um so tell me what do you have any resolutions that you are planning for your business for well i so any goals that you have for this year okay so i'm very excited because i am going to be i was 
asked to be a speaker for the New Jersey Dietetic Association this oh, year. Oh, congratulations. It's okay that I'm actually, yes, it's going to be coming out in January. This, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, wait, can I say it now? So it just happened yesterday. Okay. Um, but this is a really big deal. Um, so there's about 350 people that come to this conference. And I haven't really spoken in front, in, in live, in person mm -hmm. to that many people. So it's a really big deal for me. Um, I'm really excited to be able to educate um, RDs, registered dietitians, on I'm going to be talking about ADHD and autism with a, a physician, Dr. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Bowles. He is amazing um, medical geneticist. Actually, speaks all over the country, so wow. I'm really excited. He's going to be talking about um, the genes associated with um, autism and the fixable genes. And so I'm going to talk about nutritional approaches to helping our kiddos, but I'm really excited about that. So I'm prepping for that. Okay. And then I'm going to be doing a nutritional psychiatry fellowship. So wow. that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That. On a, that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> and in our practice, we're going to, we're trying to like, you know, I see f only four to five patients a day actually, mm -hmm. and that we see our patients for a really long time mm -hmm. so that we can get, give them the care that they deserve. But um, I can only see so many patients and I'm booked up until March, April. Oh, wow. So it's really hard. Like, when parents are calling in and I hear the desperation in their voice and they're like, my kid's not eating or whatever's going on. And I'm like, there's not a lot of there, even when I'm referring out, just like, there's not a lot of people that can take anybody right now. Mm -hmm. So I want to develop a group program around the necessity for this population. Okay. Um, so it's a bit more streamlined kind of, um, sort of, but okay. it's, people are going to, it's going to be live. It's just, yeah, it's okay. going to be live. It's just to give more support to parents on, right. Okay. Um, with things that are, are happening. And, but also from like the assessment process to understanding what to do when a child is having difficulty in between, like if they have an infection or a virus mm -hmm. or something that's impacting their eating, mm -hmm. like parents need to know like what to do in those cases. Mm -hmm. And that, those are the, like, a lot of the questions that I'm getting in between sessions is like, what do I do? My kid has COVID or what do I do? Um, you know, my kid has strep and that really can set them back in, um, you know, their journey. So educating parents and helping them along the way with what to do in those circumstances. Okay. So, um, those two things, like, yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot, that's yeah. a lot that you, you have planned for the year, but that's great. So you are accepting new patients, just a little bit of a time to, to get, to get <laughs> for okay. me, for sure. My, I have a new RD that just came into the practice. She's still training. Mm -hmm. Um, she's amazing. I'm really excited. She's going to be working with more of, um, eating disorders and intuitive eating and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, and then Kelly is also seeing new patients, but she has a little bit of a wait list too. Okay. Um, and she sees more hormones and PCOS and fertility. So, oh, um, yeah, but wow. we, we are seeing new people. It's just that if like there's usually, there's a waiting list to mm -hmm. see me, but right. I'm trying to, you know, work on that by seeing, doing more groups. Right. Like, yeah. So, well, I'm sure you're an inspiration to so many and it sounds like, you know, like you're so passionate about what you do and Thank really you. just uh, so much knowledge. And, you know, I'm sure we, I could talk to you all day long about know, questions that, um, that we have about food, but what would you say to, um, to young women, um, that are out there right now, perhaps pursuing this, um, you know, the, the dietetics or, you know, working in this industry or maybe mm -hmm. even maybe even in med school thinking about, you know, something that is, um, you know, surrounding this this uh, this, you know, topic. Right. Um, and what would you say to anyone that is interested in, in doing what you're doing now? 
Yeah. Um, well, private practice is a whole nother animal, right? right. It does take a certain person yep. to be able to do it. Um, and it takes a lot of dedication and motivation, but we do need to allow patients to have the platform for them to be heard. And we do need to work on alternative approaches mm -hmm. for care um, versus acute care approaches. And so if, if these people that are wanting to get into this field um, are pursuing being a dietitian, I highly suggest doing some functional medicine training. Okay. So I did some functional medicine training with DIFM, Dietitian in Functional Medicine, or Dietitians in Functional Medicine. I have a certification in that, but I also went through IFM, Institute of Functional Medicine. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So that's a great program, but just to like start looking at the root causes of things mm. versus just the acute care treatment approach. There's, right. I, I highly suggest going in that direction because that's where medicine is going right now. Right. Yeah. We need more awareness. We need more awareness yeah. and more, yeah. more providers. Right. So interesting. I saw, I read, um, I heard on the radio yesterday that there's a shortage of OBGYNs, which is I interesting. Yeah. yeah. So Want to talk about that? Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and oh gosh, and talking to us me. and educating us a little bit about you know the just the the trials and tribulations of feeding our kids and feeding ourselves and um, just the day to day stuff. It's um, and I'd love to have you back on to talk about all kinds of stuff. So I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank Where you for allowing we... me the platform. Oh also. yeah, I really appreciate it. Where can we find you? Um, so my our website is Aaron Falco RDN. Uh, dot com, mm -hmm. but we're also on Instagram, Instagram yeah. so it's Aaron Falco RDN Inc. Okay, and we are about to change the name, so it's not just me because it's not just me anymore. I have right. um, whole team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank well, you. thank you so much. Um, this month in January, as I mentioned before, we have our fitness and wellness guide that just came out. So take a look at that. That's our fifth one. Some great new resources in there and obviously some uh, some resources that have been in there from from day one. Um, but great, uh, great um, places to go, um, you know, del meal delivery services, really anything um, within the community that, uh, you know, I would use personally. It's important to me that any of the partnerships that you do see on our website is, um, you know, are all vetted that, you know, either friends of mine have used or, you know, I know have a better reputation within the community. So I'm excited about that. And uh, we're also working on putting out our annual home guide. So that'll be coming out soon. Do that every year. So if you need help with contractor to use, or if you want to, um, you know, uh, use an interior designer in the area, we will have some, some new ones in there. Um, there's so many, right. There's so oh many gosh. different things, landscapers, this, that, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, who do you use? Right. So really try to make sure that that is, um, is useful for you and, uh, really trying to focus this month on, on wellness in general and, you know, just a new year, right? So new goals and doesn't, like you said, I don't think it has to be, you know, a resolution where it just changes, you know, who you are, but maybe just little steps, right? And this, uh, the the habits book oh my <laughs> and the stuff, um, will, you know, start making some small steps that'll turn into bigger, much larger progress, right? Overall. So enjoy your day and thanks for listening. Thank you so much.